Well, we've been to the Nile River with baby Moses in the baby ark. Do, 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 baby ark. And we went to Joppa, the port of Joppa with Jonah. And uh, we've been to uh, Sea of Galilee with Jesus and the disciples. And today we are going to Lake Sam Rayburn because we're going to talk about a metaphorical boat in the Bible. We'll talk about that in just a minute. But before I do, as is our custom, because we are one house with many rooms, one church in more than one location. Love our guys at Duncan and Dieball. So glad you guys are joining us. Come on, let's welcome them in today. Probably shouldn't even be saying this, but I want you guys to pray with me, okay? And I'll, I'll, I'll say it and then ask forgiveness later. But we're also in talks with another prison down the road uh, that is, a, is an all-female prison. And it's, it, we're looking as though we may be able to get into the doors in the next few months. And that will be a prison that Nacogdoches owns as one of its venues. And so not only are we going to be looking at opening Nacogdoches, but we have an, another uh, prison that we're looking at. Will you guys be praying with us about what God might do, Duncan and Dieball, you guys be praying uh, that we'll be able to continue to create those community destinations uh, where anyone can find and follow Jesus. So uh, excited about what God's doing next. Today, we're talking about a proverbial boat. Uh, it has to do with you and with me. And as we get into the content today, I think you'll, you'll begin to see it unfold. Uh, but let's start with the book of James chapter 3. We're going to go through the, almost the entire book of James 3. And, and here we go. We all stumble in many ways. You stumble one way, I stumble another way. We all stumble in many ways. But anyone who is never at fault in what they, what? Say, never, anybody who is never at fault in what they say is perfect. Well, guess what? Nobody's perfect. Every single one of us, if you hold a mirror to your mouth and, you, and it fogs up, you're not perfect in what you say. But, but anyone who is, they're able to keep their whole body in check. In other words, there's so much power in our mouths. There's so much power in, in the words we speak. And uh, there, there's, there's might in the mouth. You've got a mighty mouth. A mighty mouth. That's not a lisp. That's, that's mouth. Mighty mouth. And so mighty mouth, I think mighty mouth, you can say great things and it can open doors. You can say other things and it can shut doors. Uh, there is power in the tongue. There's power in the mouth. Um, you know, anybody ever been caught because of what you say? You've been caught in a pickle? Anybody know what that is? Uh, getting in a pickle, something we, we, we would call in baseball, uh, when you get stuck between bases and, and you're, you're running to third, but the third baseman gets the ball and then you're running back to second and they throw it to second and you got to stop in the dirt and you got to run back. When they get stuck there, that, that, that's called getting into a, a pickle. Anybody ever had their mouths get them stuck? Uh, being the pastor here for almost five years, next month will be five years as the lead pastor, 14 years total on staff. I've preached many, many times, several hundred times in the last 14 years. So you've heard some stories. So every once in a while, you got to hear a story a second time or a seventh. That just is what it is. Sorry. You're just going to have to get, get over. So if you're new, <laughs> new story. Uh, if you've been here for any amount of time, you probably heard this story. That's okay. We're going to use it again. I think it's going to help us get where we need to go. Um, when my son was small, four or five years old, um, he was in the back seat in a car seat. Uh, I'm, I'm driving our SUV out of uh, uh, Crown Colony. And I'm on the back road by the Pentecostal campgrounds there. And, and I get to Highway 59. And I'm going to turn and I'm going to go towards Dieball on Highway 59. 
Uh, as, as I'm getting ready to turn, I noticed across the red light on the other side of the street, a woman dressed nicely in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a nice dress, holding high heels in her hand, walking in the middle of the summer heat, walking on Highway 59. And I immediately thought, oh my goodness, man, I, we, I wouldn't have picked her up if I hadn't had Graham in the car. Uh, you know, as your pastor, you're welcome to start rumors, you know, but, but um, or maybe, I don't know, maybe I should just help her out. But anyway, I pulled up and I rolled down the window and I said to her, hey, I'm not a killer. Uh, it looks like you're headed somewhere. Do you need a ride? She goes, no, I'm okay. This is, this is it by Angelina College. I said, are you sure? And, and she goes, yeah. I said, where are you going? I'm, I'm going up to Die Ball. I said, Die Ball? You're walking to Die Ball? Girl, it is hot outside. And you, you don't look like you're dressed to, to, to run. I just hop in. I'll, I've got my son in the back. She goes, okay, are you sure? I said, yeah. So she hopped in. We were heading that way and took her to, to Die Ball. And as, as we're driving, we get into Die Ball. We turn left on a street. We're coming down to her road. And we've been talking about she was giving a speech at Angelina College. She uh, was doing this or doing that. And, and she was getting a degree in journalism and some other stuff. And we've enjoyed this conversation the whole way. And we're about 300 yards from the house. And my son, who's been sitting nicely, politely, quietly in the back seat the entire time, just kind of hanging out, having fun. All of a sudden, my, my, my son says something. Now, let me, let me just stop. When she got into the car, this is not, a, this is not a poking fun. It's just, just a reality, okay, just something. I, I did notice when she got in, she, uh, she had a little facial hair. Not a big deal. Some women have facial hair. It's okay. And, and, uh, and I just thought, oh, okay. I, I just noticed it. It just is what it is, all right? Well, we get closer to her, her house, and my son, out of the middle of nowhere, just says, you know, and I look up in the rearview mirror like, oh, he's going to join the conversation now. He goes, you know, I had no idea what was going to come next. He says, you know, some women have beards. And I just start filling the air with talk. I'm just like, uh, is your house down here? What color is your house? Is the lawn mowed? Uh, which is it on the right and on the left? Is it 200, 150 yards away? What is it? And I'm just trying to fill the air. And I'm looking, anybody ever giving your kids like the crazy stink eye from the rear view mirror? Like, I will stop this car, you know? I'm giving him the eye. Like, what are you doing? And he keeps on wanting to talk. And I'm like, <laughs> she said, yep, you're right. And I was like, Pulled in, she said, thanks for the ride. She got out. I put my arm on the passenger seat, you know, backing out of her driveway, and then I made complete eye contact. And I said, and I went like this, what were you thinking? Why would you say that? He goes, what? What? I said, she had a beard. And he goes, she did? I said, oh, stop lying to me, you know. Your mouth can get you in a pickle. Your words have power. In fact, the book of Proverbs says your words are poison or they are fruit. You choose. You get to choose whether you're going to be wise with your words, mighty with your mouth in a way that would honor Jesus or in a way that could actually bring uh, chaos. In fact, if you're taking notes, uh, on the back of your worship guide, I invite you to write some of these thoughts down. The, the first would be this. My tongue directs where I go. 
It's amazing how your tongue can unlock doors. The way you speak, the way you hold yourself, what you talk, how you interview. Your tongue can direct where you go in a positive way. Also, you could be thinking you're going this way, but because you say things that you shouldn't say or because other people hear something that you said, it could actually detour you. You've seen this on, on Facebook with people at a job that tweet out, I hate my job, it's worthless, blah, blah, blah. And the, and the manager responds to it and says, okay, hey, thanks, we don't need you. But your tongue can direct where you go. James 3 goes on to say, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Now, it, a, 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 a horse that's wild doesn't get broken the moment you put the bit in your mouth. It takes practice. It takes consistency. But here's where we get our connection to Summer Cruise. The next scripture says, or take ships as an example. Although they're so large and driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. There is power and direction in the tongue. Number two, my tongue can destroy what I have. It can destroy what you've worked so hard to create. Marriages can be destroyed with words. And on the papers, it says the divorce is because irreconcilable differences. But what, be, what became irreconcilable differences many times can start with little bitty words. Little bitty words that lead to little bitty actions. Can I say something to you? Small things are big things in disguise. Small decisions are really big decisions in disguise, because if you can't if you can't figure out the small decisions, him that is faithful with a little will be given a, a lot. So even words, the little bitty words we say, they can add up to make a big difference, and they actually can destroy what we have. James three five, consider what a great forest, massive forest set on fire by a small spark. We've seen that over the years here in East Texas. The tongue also is like that; it's a fire. A world of evil among the parts of the body. In fact, it's not just evil here. The Bible says it corrupts the whole body the way we speak. Sets the whole course of one's life on fire by just the might in our mouth. Number three, my tongue displays who I am. The degree on the wall, the trophies in the case, the house that you build, the clothes that you wear, the status that you post shows people something, but your tongue really displays who you are. And when it comes to, to Christ followers, uh, when it comes to those that wanna bow a knee and say, Lord, be my savior, be my, be, be, be my guide, uh, we have to be cautious of this because it gets us into the pickle. James 3, 9 says it like this. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father. If, you know, if the rocks cry out, so will I. And we're singing it. Oh, it's such a good song. And we sing it in worship. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and our Father. But with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. In other words, if this were, would have been God-breathed in 2019, James probably would have said, with the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with Facebook, we curse human beings that have been made in God's likeness. Out, out of the same mouth come praise and cursing? My, my brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring and he puts a 
a bookend on it by saying, such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. When you look at the understanding of, of double-minded, double-minded, we, 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 we understand you could say it like this. Such a person is a hypocrite and unstable in all they do. Anybody ever heard that from somebody? Hey, you, you want to go to church? Ah, the church. Church is full of... And that's when you say, well, we could use one more. Why don't you come? <laughs> somebody told me that between services. I thought that was a good one. No, no, here's the deal. Here's the deal. The church is full of hypocrites. And so is Walmart, okay? Like, like Walmart's full of hypocrites too, okay? Like the world is full of people that on one side of the mouth, they say one thing, and then on the other, they say something opposite. And, and, and we, have to, we have to understand this. This is important. It's not about just Sunday. It's about what we say. And so I want to give you over the next few moments some simple shielding stuff. Sheep should start. And I tried to I kind of put that together. Let's, let's say that real fast together. Ready, go. Simple shielding stuff. Sheep should start. Oh, some of you said something you shouldn't have said. Um, and, and can I say, let me say something to those of you. Maybe you're, you're, you're visiting with a friend. Uh, you're in exploring a relationship with Jesus. Uh, I want you to know this is a safe place. You can do that. Uh, we're glad that you are here. Um, if you, you don't have to do a thing we talk about today. You can say whatever you want. I mean, shoot from the hip, baby. That's, if, you, if you're not uh, chasing after a deeper relationship with Jesus, you don't have to put a, a, a bit in anything. Um, but if you're a Christ follower, he's the shepherd and we're the sheep. We surrender to what scripture says. It's not a, it's not a shoulda, coulda. It, 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 we must. We need this in our lives. And, and to be honest with you, I'm preaching not from a place of perfection. I, I, I'm, I'm preaching from a place of need today. I, I need this message for me too. If my wife were on the front row, she would say, oh, preach. <laughs> you do need it. Uh, J-Y. <laughs> so simple shielding stuff. Sheep should start. Three simple things. Number one, pause. Everybody say pause. Just like Pause before you say something else. Pause. Pause. James 1. My dear brothers and sisters, take note. Write it down. Put it in the old Rolodex here. Everyone should be quick to listen. Slow to speak. And slow to become angry. Quick to listen. Quick. Slow to speak. It's why God gave you one mouth and two ears. So you would listen twice as much as you talk. I know you don't like love bugs, but thank God for love bugs. Because it helps East Texans keep their mouth shut. Oh, yeah, well, I... <coughs> we don't interview people for our staff coming out of town anymore in like August, September, and halfway in October because of the plague of love bugs, you know. They're coming, oh, we love Lufkin. It's so beautiful, you know. <laughs> anyway, quick to listen, 
slow to speak. So, so before you even know what to say, before you even think about what to say next, everybody ought to practice this. Wait. And there's a little acronym for wait, W-A-I-T. And here's what you say when you're waiting. Here's what you say to yourself. So you say it in your inside voice, okay? Before you speak with your outside voice, you say it with your inside voice. Here's what you should be saying. Why am I talking? <laughs> like that's, that's a great thing, all of us, to just shut up and ask ourselves, why am I talking? You know, uh, we, we can be so quick to say things. So quick to interject. It's, it's always wisdom when you're starting a new job. Don't be the first one to say something in a staff meeting. Like let other people talk. Pause. Listen. Be slow to, 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 to speak and quick to listen. Uh, right before service, um, Michaela on our team came to me and said, I heard another acronym called HALT. H-A-L-T. And, and it goes like this. It's not in your notes. You may want to write it down. HALT. Um, when you're hungry... Angry, lonely, or tired, halt. <laughs> like, like, just halt what you're saying. Hungry, angry, lonely, tired. Like, thus saith the Lord, don't have a financial conversation with your spouse after 9.30 at night. It, you're just going to be, it's going to be wheels off, Katie bar the door, all right? Hey, can we take this time and, 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 and like everybody's hungry and you haven't had lunch and it's 2 p.m. Like, I'd really like us to work on our marriage right now. <laughs> Eat a Snickers first, okay? <laughs> just, just pause on some stuff. Think before you speak. Wait and ask yourself, why am I talking? Number two, ponder. So when you're in that space of pausing, it gives you some, it gives you some, some, some collateral on both sides. It gives you some latitude to be able to think it through. And not just think it through, but, but be able to... Think in a deeper, deeper way. See, here's, here's where most people, here's where, some, here, here's where some people are. People are in different categories. Maybe you would identify with, with one of these. Some people think before they talk. They wait, they're quiet, they wait, they're quiet, they speak. Okay. Um, others think while they talk. And as they're saying something, the next thing is on their mind and they're going to say that next. Some people think after they talk and they go back and say, mm, I probably shouldn't have said it quite like that. And if, and if they own it, they can go and maybe apologize or they can go and say, hey, I meant it a little differently. That, that's where those are seeds of, of crazy relational tension that happen when we think after they talk. Of course, this one's a, a huge issue in a lot of people. They, they just never think at all. Like, you're just, just going to just say it without thinking at all. I, I tend to be thinking while I talk and thinking after I talk. This has never been great for me to just uh, totally think everything through. I, I, I'm, a, I, I'm a, 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 a someone who processes out loud. I love uh, some of our team meetings that we have on our staff, I feel like they're, they're tennis matches. Not, not that I want to win or ace. I like the back and forth. I like talking about it. And while we're talking and we're thinking it through, I like thinking and talking and thinking and talking. And, and, and that, that helps me process stuff. Um, but, but really, it's way beyond just thinking with our mind. In fact, we, we think in two places. Right, write these down. There, there are two places we think. We think in, in the mind, yes, uh, but we also think in the heart. Now, 
that may be more of a spiritual reality, but there is some really interesting things that have happened in medical science that, that would suggest the same way you have some muscle memory that even there are different organs that can have, have uh, cellular memory attached to them. And I don't know all the science or medicine behind it, but uh, 2009 Harvest Business Review uh, gave an article that cited several different instances in particular with donor transplants. And there was a, a few stories, three or four, uh, just a couple of them. One uh, was a heart transplant. And when, when the heart uh, was, was placed, when the child woke up, the parents said, how are you feeling? Is everything okay? And the child said at like eight years old, everything's copacetic. And they'd never used that word before. And later they had the privilege through kind of a turn of events to meet the donor, family. And it was the, the heart of a husband who every time he talked with the family would say, everything's copacetic. And he had never used that word, but the heart transplant, just interesting. That, that's kind of weird. Uh, there was another one uh, about a 14-year-old child who had uh, a transplant. And when they woke up, they wanted to listen to classical music and had never listened to classical music before. And it just so happened that the heart that they received was from a high schooler who was walking home with a violin in their hand, having just had a lesson at school and was killed in a drive-by shooting. And they never even wanted to hear classical music. It, it just, just interesting stuff. I don't know all the science behind that, but the script, scripture does talk about a deeper place where we store things, uh, a, a deeper place where we process beyond just, uh, just our, our minds. The, the, the Bible talks about the thoughts of our heart. Uh, Proverbs 23, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. The, the, the proverb goes on to say, eat and drink, he says to you, but his heart is not with you. Anybody ever done that? Sure, you can take the last donut, but in your heart, you're like, I wanted that last donut. <laughs> oh no, sure, you can borrow my truck. <clears throat> I don't want to borrow my truck. Why did I buy that truck? <sighs> you can say a lot of things, but you're not feeling it right here, but you're thinking in your heart differently. The heart isn't with you. Sure, I'll do that report. Yes, you're great. <laughs> for better or for worse, in sickness and in health, till death do his part. And you can say some vows, but if you say it with your mouth, but you don't believe it in your heart, there's going to be issues. Mary said, Mary heard that she was going to carry the son of the living God, but she kept all these things and pondered them in a deeper place. She pondered them in her, in her heart. Luke 9, Jesus there was a dispute that arose among his disciples as to which of them would be the greatest. Can I be the greatest Jesus? I want to be the greatest Jesus. I want to be the greatest Jesus. And Jesus, not just hearing what they said, but perceiving the thought of their heart. See, it wasn't what they were saying. It was what was going on inside here. And so he takes a little child and, and set him by him. And he uses this example of unless you have the heart of a child... Unless you really have the, not the brain of a child, a childlike faith, unless you have like the heart of a child, you don't even understand how the kingdom works. A couple more, Matthew 15. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, things you stir on and dwell on. It's where bitterness will catch a root and it will start growing in your heart. And eventually that root grows from the heart and out your mouth. Hebrews 4, for the word of God is living and powerful. 
sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit. Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. Your spirit is what God deposits inside of you. That's the supernatural part. It, it, it's your spirit. That's who God is. He saves your spirit, spirit of Jesus right there that wants to be turned over to him. He's what gives you a spirit. So there's a soul that's mind, will, and emotions, but there's a deeper part of you, that that is most like the supernatural, and it's the spirit in you. And it can divide in from this place to a deeper place, the word of God. Joints and marrow, your joints, you can see, they connect the bones, they connect everything in here, but the marrow is, is, is inside the bones. It's a deeper place and is a discerner of the thoughts, a little bit more surface, and the intents of the heart. And one of the most famous scriptures that Jesus gives us in Matthew 12 out of the overflow of the heart, or King James says it like this, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Out of the overflow of the heart, eventually you start talking long enough with people, you get to know people, out of here flows, fl flows your words. King David said it like this, let the words of my mouth and the meditation, the deeper part of my heart, be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Now that's, that's scripture, but you guys, we say, we say a little tagline all the time. Maybe you've said, maybe you haven't said it, but it's popular. We say things like this. That thought came right off the top of my head. I don't know. I just, I don't know. I don't, where, where'd that thought came from? Just right off the top of my head. Just, whoop, just there it was. What were you thinking? I don't know. It just, it just came to me. Good and bad. But how many of you also said, I meant it from the bottom of my heart. <laughs> There's a deeper place where, where our words really get, get produced. The heart is like soil. I was talking with one of our worship leaders, a worship leader, uh, our Nacogdoches worship leader, Tyler, backstage before service. And he likes to garden. I said, how's your garden going? And he said, man, it's okay, but, uh, you know, the, the, the fruit isn't quite, I've got some tomatoes, but I need to, to make some changes. Like the soil, got to better the soil next year. Da, 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 da. And, and, I, and I thought, wow, what a picture of what we're even talking today. Depending on the soil of your heart, uh, that will begin to produce the fruit of your mouth. Uh, what, what, what's in the heart begins to sprout and, and there can be beautiful fruit that's, that's choice morsels and then other that is poison for, for people. Write it down in your notes. A problem with our tongue reveals a problem with our heart. So, so, so when you say things you shouldn't say, when you fly off the handle with your words, it, it's not just a bridle in your mouth. It's a heart transplant that we need. It's, it's a heart issue. But let me give you some examples. So the physical, the external uh, display of our heart can be like, maybe you have, maybe you know somebody. Okay, not you, of course. I mean, it would never be you. But your wife has a boasting tongue. Okay? Boasting tongue. Or your friend. They just boast, 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 boast. You say something, they got to boast. They got to be the one-upper. Anybody got a one-upper? A one-upper? Oh, yeah, man, I did that. I accomplished that. Oh, well, you'll never believe what I did. <laughs> Boasting tongue. Do you know what a boasting tongue reveals about a heart many times? It, it actually reveals an insecure heart. Because I, I, I got to make sure you know that I'm, I'm worth something. I'm valuable. 
And you know, the way we boast with our tongue is way more than just verbal. We're, we're, we're boasting out there on social media. Our snaps, our instas, our Facebook stuff. What we're trying to put on the external, like me, think about what, a comment on my picture. Students, students, you have the opportunity to leverage these things in a powerful way. But you also have the opportunity to speak to, to everybody around you, actually without even knowing it, of your insecurities. Trying to rely on how they respond in that moment. Waiting if see someone commented. See if someone put a heart. See if someone responded on that. How many likes did I get? And if you're not careful, in fact, just look. Scroll back some history and look about what you've posted and then begin to ask yourself the heart question, not the external Facebook question or the, the Insta, Instagram or Snapchat. Ask your question, what do these physical things say about my internal reality? Is this saying I'm confident in who Jesus is through me? Am I saying, like me? Am I saying, I'm hard and you better, you better keep your ground. I'm going to say what I think. I, I'm going to tell you how I felt about Suddenlink Communications or whatever. Like just so stupid people complaining. I got to move. Negative tongue, not move from here. Some of the things I have said sometimes it makes me feel like I should move. But I got to move on. from Negative tongue means fearful heart. Always negative, anxious, worried. I don't know. From the physical as I was talking about, to even your body language. <sighs> body language says a whole lot about us. What you don't want to say in your mouth, like, like if you're trying to be a Christian, but, but when someone says, well, what'd you think about what Carol did? And you go, you, you go uh, by the way, my, my, my son got a love note from a, a girl named Carol at, her, at his school. I thought, that was aw that's awesome. <laughs> Anyway, um, just did not seem like an elementary school name to me, Carol, but, but I love it. Anyway, it's, it's great. I got to move on. You got a note from Carol? Is that your teacher? <laughs> your grandma's grandma, Carol. Who'd you get a love letter from? Carol. It said, do you like me? Yes, no, maybe. <laughs> like, we're still doing that? That's awesome. What'd you say? Shut up, dad. Negative tongue means fearful heart. Here, here's another one. Harsh tongue, when, when they're harsh, when it's biting, when it's, when it's uh, edgy, it, it can mean angry heart. And you know, there's an intimidation. When you're younger, your body language can show in intimidation. And, and I want to say something uh, to uh, our older saints. Sometimes what can happen is the older we get, we don't feel as intimidating physically because we know that we have some some hold back there, or maybe we're not as strong as we used to be. And if we're not careful, what can happen, not in everybody, but what can happen, is the older we get, we may not be as intimidating with our physical presence. And so what we do is we actually can become more sharp with what we say, because I'm just going to tell you how it is. I'm just going to say whatever I want. And, you know, grandma didn't mean that exactly that way. You know how granny is. She just says whatever is on the top of her mind, okay? And we have, senior saints, we have to be careful. See, wisdom does come with age, but sometimes age comes all by itself, <laughs> okay? Like sometimes you can be old and not wise. It's not a guarantee. 
You can be young and stupid. That is a guarantee. But actually, you can pray even though you're young to get wisdom, and God can give you supernatural wisdom. And what I'm saying to, if you're young, pray, God, give me wisdom with my words. If you're old, just because you're old, God, give me wisdom to speak in a way that, that, that would make sure I'm speaking in a way that glorifies and honors you. Not just demanding respect from those younger than us, but showing respect by the way we, we talk. I like how Robert Morris said it. I heard a sermon he did on words. Incredible speaker at Gateway Church in Dallas. He said it like this. Let your converted heart tell your renewing mind what to say. As Jesus changes our heart, we begin to repent. We begin to be transformed by changing the way we think, the book of Romans says. So if Jesus, that only Jesus can change your heart, but we invite Jesus to change our heart. We then allow that converted heart. We let what Jesus could do in our heart become a, a, a sign and a help that we can begin to bridle what is very difficult. This fire, this fire that comes out, this unbridled uh, a tongue that can steer you right into the rocks of the harbor. Let's be careful with what we say. Finally, pause. You know, curiosity killed the cat. Curiosity killed the cat. But it actually makes you a better person. <laughs> like when you can pause and be curious about something instead of being quick to speak and just take on a level. When you're in a conflict and someone says, I don't like that that happened or I've got an issue with you or whatever. You know, one of the greatest things you can do is, is take a stance of curiosity. Tell me more about that. Talk, talk to me and listen. Now in your brain, you're like, you idiot. I'm all, I'm all wiped. I'm just going to give it to you here in about three seconds. Now you could say that, but then as you ponder it in your heart, like Mary, you're like, maybe I shouldn't say that. You know what? I wonder why they're upset. I wonder if this is really the reason they're upset or they're upset about something else. I wonder what's going on in their life. I, I wonder how I know they were, I know they were talking about how much trouble their marriage was in. Maybe their insecurity there is fleshing out on something else outside of like, like, there's so much things that curiosity, you just slow down. Curiosity may have killed the cat. It makes you a better leader. It, it, it makes you a better communicator when you can just pause, when you ponder, consider. And then number three, really pray. Now, there are prayers that you can pray off the top of your head, but I'm inviting us to be praying prayers from the bottom of our heart. So here's a good prayer. Here's a good prayer right out of Psalm uh, 141 that you could pray at the meal Today, when you go to the meal today, or you go to the home, or and you pop in the pizza rolls, or, or like I'm gonna do because Janet's out of town, <laughs> or you go to Cracker Barrel and get some of that fried chicken on Sunday, bless God. Mm. Whatever you're eating, you know, a great prayer you can pray right there is a scripture prayer. And here, here it is, Psalm 141. Help me, Lord. To keep my mouth shut and my lips sealed. Amen. Let's eat. Now, it's going to be hard to do that and eat at the same time. <laughs> keep your mouth shut. Anyway, like that's an easy surface prayer can remind you. Something surfacy, Something surfacy that I gave our teenagers when I was a youth pastor. They'd say, oh, I, I struggle with like what I say. I say stupid things. Gets me in trouble. I want to kind of watch my mouth. I'm cussing all the time. I accidentally cussed in front of my mom. She washed my mouth. That was out. So my mom gave us the palm olive treatment. It wasn't just the, the bar of soap. It was the palm olive treatment. You know what the palm olive treatment is? It's when you say something you shouldn't have said, and she made you sit on the edge of the tub, and she would go get 
liquid palm olive dishwashing stuff. And she would say, open your mouth. And instead of just rubbing your tongue with a little dove bar, she would go, and just, just squirt palm olive in your mouth. And you have to hold it in your mouth. Burping bubbles for two days. Like, blah, you know, it was, it was what a palm olive, you, you said shut up, <laughs> like that, the palm olive treatment. And we can talk about that, but it's not just about washing what we say here. It's really, it, it's really about getting deeper into the heart. Help me, Lord, to keep my mouth shut and my lips sealed is good. But I, let me show you another place in scripture as we end today. Um, in the Old Testament, uh, the book of Isaiah a prophet of God, anointed by God to be a mouthpiece for the, the nation of Israel during that time. And, and it's in this moment that, that Isaiah has a vision from God. God just like can, can give us his word, but there are times, and, and he still can do this. We don't add it to the word of God, but he can do it. And it, if it aligns with God, that's how we judge those things. But he can give you thoughts that aren't your thoughts or even like dreams that aren't your dreams. And it's like Isaiah has this awake dream moment and he records it after it's done. And that's where we get Isaiah chapter six. And in Isaiah six, Isaiah says, in the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up and the train of his robe it filled the temple. Whoa, what, what a vision. A throne lifted up, our eyes work, work towards it. It's massive, it takes the place of prominence in the temple and the clothes of God, just like that robe, the majestic robe covering God. It, it's all, it's all the King Jesus. It's just all in the room of the, of, of the temple. And Isaiah goes on to say, above, above all that, there were, there were standing seraphim, a kind of an angel. Each, each one of those seraphim, they had six wings. And with two, the seraphim covered their faces. With two wings, they covered their feet. And with two, they flew. And so there's these standing seraphim that are, that are flying in the throne room. What, what a crazy imagery of a supernatural God who spun the world into existence. And it doesn't stop there. One of those seraphim cried to another seraphim and said this, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. And it really probably wasn't like that. It was more like, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. They cried out with a loud voice. The whole earth is full of his glory. How do we know he wasn't whispering? Because the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out. And the house was filled with smoke. Can I just say something about heaven? Can I say something about the throne room? It's going to be loud. It's going to be active. And there's going to be a smoke machine, everybody. It's just, it's just, it's like, that's what we're trying to do at Timber Creek Church. We're just trying to bring you into the holy of holies. So, 
Isaiah sees all this, thinking all this, taking all this in. How would you respond? How would you respond? Some would just fall to their knees. Some would be speechless. Some wouldn't even know what to say. Maybe some of us, because of where we are and we were face to face with that majesty, right now where we are, it may would embarrass and us want to turn and run the other direction. How would you respond faced with the glory and the goodness and the majesty and the bigness of God? Isaiah says, woe is me. I am undone. I'm beside myself. I don't even know what to do next. And, and here, here's something so interesting that Isaiah says. I, like I, I'm still trying to figure it out, but I do know that there's something powerful connected to this moment that we can learn today. Because Isaiah says this, the very next statement he says, Woe is me, because I am a man of unclean lips. That's, that's the first thing in his, in his mind to say, is there something about my lips and what I'm saying? And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King. Friends, listen to me now. The closer we get to Jesus, and the more we can truly see Jesus and surrender to Jesus, it must affect our mouths. The good news is Jesus doesn't slap him in the face with a belt. See, I know your lips. I know how unclean you are. The good news is Jesus doesn't say, get out of my sight, man with unclean lips. No. One of the seraphim flew to me having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar, the place of sacrifice. And he touched my mouth with it. And he said, behold, this from the altar, this place of sacrifice has touched your lips. Your iniquity, all the trouble, the shame, the guilt is gone. And your sin, what separates you, it's purged. Friends, there is something spiritually magnificent about the tongue. It's why the enemy wants to keep you from raising your voice when you worship. It's why there is something powerful about, about even Pentecost and, 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 a, and, and, and God doing something with the way we speak. There's all throughout scripture what God says and what we say. There's power there. It's not about getting everything right. It's about standing in the presence of Jesus today saying, I got unclean lips too. Jesus, would you do, would you, would you change my heart? Would you take away my sin? And can you start with making me recognize my words too? And the good news, the Bible says in Romans, uh, if we confess with our mouth and Believe in our heart. Do you see it again? Our mouth and our heart deeper, then you're saved. Would you pray with me today? With your heads bowed and your eyes closed. If you're here today and you need to invite Jesus to do something with the words you say, because you're not where you, maybe you're not where you were, but you're not where you, you want to be. 
If that's you, say, I want to pray today that my, my lips would be cleansed by Jesus today. If that's you, just put a hand up in the air. Just put a hand up in the air. Oh, yeah, yeah, lots of hands. Me too. Me too. This is, this is an issue that I have. You can put your hands down in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, we invite you. Would you meet, with, meet us right here in the middle of saying things we shouldn't have said and wanting to say the right things? Would you meet us right here? Thank you, Lord. Thank you for not forsaking us. Thank you for giving us this moment. We surrender our words to you. May people know us by our fruit, by our love. Not that we feel down in here in our heart, but may out of the abundance of our heart, may our mouth speak love, speak kindness, speak goodness. May the fruit of the Spirit dwell so deeply inside that it just can't help within that soil to produce good fruit for others to enjoy. And ultimately, with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're here, the truth is your issue with the heart is that you haven't asked Jesus to become your Lord and Savior. That's the next thing, the most important thing you could ever say with your lips. Jesus, save me. Jesus, be my Lord. Jesus, be the center of my life. If that's what you need to say today, maybe you said it in a while, but your, your life is speaking louder than those words, but you want to realign with Jesus today from here to Dieball to Duncan. If that's you, say, nope, nope, it's time. I've drifted. It's time to come back. It's time to say, Jesus, be the Lord and Savior. I want to say it with my mouth. If that's you, put a hand up in the air. Let's pray that together. Yeah, yeah. Any other hands? Come on. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. In your own words, Jesus, be my Savior today. I speak it out today. I believe you are who you say you are from the bottom of my heart. And now from my mouth, I declare, be my Lord, be my Savior. Forgive me of my sin. Help me with my next steps of following you. I don't ever want to be the same. And I know if I lean into you and not on my own understanding, I won't ever be the same. Now, Father, forgive us for the things that we've caused, the fires we've caused. Help us not live in that shame. But if we feel guilty, Lord, may we be stirred up to make a phone call today. God, I pray that some would be careful and pause before they post that on Facebook these next few days. That they would learn to ponder before they post. And ultimately, God, that we would declare who you are and what you've done by the way we speak to one another. And it's in Jesus' mighty name we all pray. And everybody spoke out loud, amen.